Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 73 with me, Kirsten Nuts and Nick Kirby. And as always, we have a super awesome guest on the show. But before we get there, be reminded that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast and our sultry voices aren't enough for you, you can always hop over to youtube.com forward slash camera shake, where you can see our lovely faces in full Technicolor, filmed in Panavision and not in black and white. Right, that's the fifth take. Are we done now with that's that? That's the fifth take. I think it's right, pretty good. Bro. Right, cool. Excellent. That being Moving said, on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Take five's in the bag, I think. Right. Today we have none other than the graphic designer, author, educator, and podcast host. Podcast host? I'm just going to carry on. I didn't know you had a list. Carry on. I know, me neither. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently, take six does that to you. Anyway, the podcast host of the He Shoots and He Draws podcast with Alan Haas, the only person... I've ever seen sing Should I Stay or Should I Go with Scott Kelby. <laughs> what? <laughs> Give it up for Mr. Dave Clayton. Dave, how are you? Hey, Dave. Hello. Thank you very much. That was so slick. It was almost like you practice it five times beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> almost, right? <laughs> and sorry, when you say sing with Scott Kelby, if you know me and my mum from my mum's side of the family, we have a phrase, we couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Neither of us can sing. So when Scott recommended, hey, would you want to be a really good idea? Let's sing. The fear inside of me of any sound coming out of my voice, coming out of my mouth was just, I've got to get away with this. Luckily, it's one of the very few songs I can just about get through if other people are singing. Yeah. Generally, I try and mime at happy birthday if I can. <laughs> <laughs> did he just uh, did he just pull out that guitar? Because he on on the uh, that was on one of the episodes of the grid, and he just yeah. pulled out this Union Jack. Guitar. He's got he's got guitars everywhere. He's he's got right. a wall of guitars in his office. But yeah, Scott right. always pulls out the something British when we when we're there. But yeah, he had the guitar <laughs> out. But we didn't know we were going to sing until we were actually sat down on the grid, and he's he was like, right. "Yeah, what we do is we do, should I stay or should I go?" So you and Glyn can sing along and. And, and I was like, okay, all right. And we just did it. So, uh, yeah, not not a pleasant experience having to sing live on the, on anything. <laughs> so just, uh, I'll, I'll pre-warn you now um, that both Kay and I are musicians. And um, <laughs> in about an hour's time. <laughs> We're all going to be singing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll mime my best. I joined the I joined the choir at school just to get out of maths. I hated maths, and I used to mime in the choir right up until the moment when the music teacher would walk past us all to hear us. So right. just that moment when he walked past me, I would do my best to like at least get a a recognizable note out of my mouth. <laughs> out my mouth. I think I lasted two weeks. He, he Amazing. Just, he just sussed me out straight. He's like, "You don't need to be in this. Go back. Go back to the lessons." But I'd be so that's two weeks like, of maths you didn't have to do. <laughs> exactly. And and yeah. judging by my exam results, you'd think I got out of it for a year. <laughs> you know, I had a, a not too dissimilar um, experience. I I was in. Um, I got drafted into the big band when I was because I'm, I'm a guitar player. Yeah. And um, but I didn't know any jazz chords or any of that <clears> stuff. <throat> you know, I was playing like Van Halen esque kind of rock guitar. And, uh, but I got drafted into it. I think not because anybody thought I was particularly good. I think it was, I was just the only guy there, you know? Mm. And, um, and so it's like a Thursday and they gave me this big folder of music and they were like, oh, um, so the rehearsal is tomorrow, Friday, lunchtime or whatever, you know, hear the tunes. Tell me they were all dots as well. No tab. Um, no, it's all like chord symbols, but it's like crazy chords that I didn't know, you know, like all yeah. different weird chords. 
And so that afternoon I had a guitar lesson. I, went, I took the music to my teacher and I went like, I have no idea what to do. I'm just, you know, I can't do it. And he goes like, look, all you've got to do is learn the first two bars and the last two bars of every track, play them with conviction, and then turn the volume off in between and mime along. And that's exactly what I did. It's exactly what it's I did. Genius. Yeah, I know. That's so great. I started strong and I finished strong on every tune. And then by the end of the first rehearsal, you know, the um, the conductor or the, the band leader he comes up to me and goes like, I've never seen anyone like this before. You know, I'm amazed how you could learn all of that music <laughs> in just one day. And I'm like, hey, man, you know. <laughs> so what were you playing in between with the volume down? I was literally just miming chords. I was just making it up. Because it's jazz chord, right? You can, you can put your fingers on any frets and you make it. So you play right? ninth chord like all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah. You know, people have recurring dreams of like falling out of planes and flying and, and all that, and their teeth exploding. I have mine is I, I'm not musical. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. But I have this recurring dream of I'm on stage and I've been handed a guitar and I've been told to play with this band, even though I cannot play guitar. So I have to stand there and try and play along, hoping that there's no solo and nothing gets turned down to hear me. And I've just, just dream I'm on stage terrified that someone's going to find me out. I can't play guitar. <laughs> I think it's just because I wish I could. My older brother, I've got a brother, he's 11 years older than me. Here's, here's the name drop part of the episode. So my brother's got a band that he started in 1980 and he still plays to this day. They're called the Dirty Strangers. Um, but one of his best friends is also a guitarist in a band that's been kicking around for quite some time by the name of Keith Richards. So Ooh, Keith Richards... Keith Richards and Ronnie Wood have actually played yeah. with my brother. My brother played at Ronnie Wood's uh, wedding uh, reception. Hmm. Uh, Keith, and when my dad, uh, before my dad passed away, dad had Alzheimer's and he used to sing in the pubs. So Alan yeah. recorded an album with my dad, which Keith played on and some other musicians. So I've been on tour with oh, Rolling cool. Stones, the Bigger Bang mm. Tour out in America. I've been in Keith's dressing room. I've, I've gone to the gig in his car with him i've left the gig in his car with him nice. it's like my, my brother's musical background has enabled me to have some amazing experiences but i could <laughs> no i could i can play one chord um so yeah i just hang on to the coattails of my brother's musical experience and his, his friendships but yeah it's uh it's pretty cool when you when when you say to people you know you can show pictures of keith and alan together and yeah so he's played on there but yeah it's, it's oh, a nice, cool. nice experience yeah very, very cool. Do I don't think I have that many famous connections or people that I've met in the in, met in the music world. Mm. I really don't. I don't have many. I can't think of. Hardly, You're still young. Minogue. Why? Met. I'm not too young. I assure you. <clears throat> Kylie Minogue. I met Kylie Minogue briefly. It's the only person you ever need to know. To I know. Really. That's I know. Yeah, She's I mean, wearing <laughs> some kind of dotted bikini. Very odd. Golden hot pants. <laughs> uh, that's what he was that's what nick was wearing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. you know me already i like it i like it it was a friday night who else oh um rolf harris yeah met him yeah. at school oddly really Did he uh, move, moving thing? on swiftly <laughs> moving on moving on yeah. <laughs> rolf, <who? laughs> we lived around the corner oh, we lived around the corner yeah from here yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, I went to school in Windsor. Oh, and I seem uh, to he that. lives in uh, or lived in uh, Bray. Oh, okay. Which is like, quite you know, posh. the same place where Heston's got his. Yeah, he's... has the fat duck. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, 
But isn't he now? Sure. Isn't it where he's living now? Isn't it like one of the Queen's uh, <laughs> Queen's pleasure or something they call yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's moved into one of the Queen's properties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got palace all to himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's rent free. <laughs> Yeah, rent free. Imagine. Oh, this all took a weird turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this episode already. <laughs> cool. Oh, now, if we like before we came on air, we actually realized uh, a weird connection between the three of us. Yeah. Because um because I live in a place called Rickmansworth, which is right next to Watford. And you used to used to live literally a few well, actually no, you used to live I'm in the right. same part of Rickmansworth as, as I'm living, just a few streets down. Yeah. Um, and then, then you uh, you also moved to uh, close to a place that Nick's. Yeah. So you, you 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 were also in um, Langley. Yeah. Right? So my so uh, yeah, I lived in Croxley Green. Um, I did live in Rickmansworth, which we say because we want to sound posher than telling people we actually live in Mill End. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew uh, there was a reason you always say Ricky. Of course, it's Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Locals know, know to call it Ricky as well. Um, yeah. Same as people in Berkhamsted, you call it Burko. But uh, yeah. my best Ricky! friend Mike, um, my best friend Mike lived in Langley, so I spent a lot of time in. And still, I still go there now, but I spent a lot of time mm. in Langley, and I used to do marathon training around there and run around Heathrow Airport, and mm. yeah, so I'm kind of, sort of know the area really well, and obviously Watford. Um, Spent many a day in Rick, Rickmansworth, Croxley, and Watford, going to the various uh, various places that were open way back when. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. So you lived in the place that Kay lives in now. Yeah. Used to hang around the place where I grew up. Yeah, and we're meeting you on Zoom for the first time today, and we're going to meet you in person for the first yes. time in a few days as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go and, at the photography show, and that's so, what uh, I love about that's what I love about this industry and and like with podcasts and everything is that I've got fr- I've got friends who live in England that I have only met in America first, <laughs> or I only ever see them when I'm in America. There's a guy called Nigel French who's like a typography guy, does InDesign. We only ever meet in America when we go to the same event. Um, mm. And then and we were talking about Dan Mumford, who's a great artist. The first time I met him was in LA. Second time I met him was in LA. It, it was like two or three years before I actually met him in this country. So it's really weird how these little connections pop up. And uh, and I, I went to an event here, the last, obviously the last time we could travel in 2019. Uh, I was in San Diego at an event. Generally, the English accent, you know, gets picked up when you're out there because they always ask if you're Australian. So I always say, oh, you Canadians <laughs> always get it wrong. <laughs> um, and I was, I, I went on this kind of walkabout thing one evening and we ended up at this bar where there was this um, like little exhibition. So I was, I didn't really know anyone. So I was sort of walking around chatting. All of a sudden, this guy kind of tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, recognize that accent. And I was like, hello. And um, his name's Alex. I can't remember his surname at the moment. But it turns out, so I lived in Leicestershire for a part of my life as well. And I used to go to a place called Ashby de la Zouche, which was down the road from Colville where I lived. So I used to go to all the pubs in Ashby and all the clubs and everything. Spent many a great night there. And funny, from I Ash- drove through Colville not, not, not a week and a half ago. <laughs> well, that's where, um, that's where Lasterlite were based originally. And now Manfro- oh. Manfrotto, Lasterlite went to Manfrotto. Manfrotto are now on the Ashby roundabout where the Tesco is. Um, 
But yeah, it turns out he was from Ashby de la Zouche and he used to go to all the pubs I used to go to. So like, you're in San Diego and you meet a guy that was in Ashby the time I was there drinking. We never yeah. met. Alex Falk, folks, Falks, I think his name is. He's written a couple of books. But yeah, so we were having a right old, good old chat and people thought we were there together, mates. And I just love that you can have these connections through yeah, design yeah. and photography around the world and, yeah. and just strike up a conversation. That's also the great thing about these, you know, these events, these these um, conventions like the photography show, where you can meet a lot of people and make a lot of connections, you know, and then I guess you meet you meet each other in different places because you're really all connected through photography or design. Yeah, and more so now because you've got because you've got the internet and because you've got social media that, like back in the day when you used to do all of the kind of networking, it was very person to person and passing business cards and, you know, putting yep. a Rolodex and stuff. Whereas now the world is so much smaller and more people have more things in common that I kind of, I think you sort of, you, you get more acquaintances through what you do. You know, not, you have to say that you're not going to become everyone's best mate, but what's nice is you can bump into each other at events and, and chat for an hour. And yeah. you've got and you've got more mutual friends and you've got more mutual experiences or you have a connection where, you know, I'm a graphic designer, a frustrated photographer. Um, I can't even say I'm a frustrated photographer because I haven't got the camera out of my camera bag in probably two years. Everything's mm. on my phone. But I love photography like I love music, like I love football. I don't need to be a musician. I don't need to be a footballer. But I admire the people who can do it really well. And yeah. I'm lucky that I get to spend a big part of my career around people like Scott Kelby and Joe McNally and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, Glyn Dewis, um, who we became friends because of Scott Kelby. And so I, yeah, I've been so lucky and fortunate to work with people like Jay Maisel was, was a, you know, some guy that I've met who did, I don't know if you know Jay, but the, um, the famous jazz album, uh, something blue guy on a trumpet playing the trumpet on the front. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know what it is, but Jay, Jay's an amazing, well-known photographer. And then when you're at these events with these people, I, I said to Glenn uh, today when I was chatting to him, he started talking to me about printing. He said, oh, "I'm probably boring you telling you all this." I'm like, "No, because I I absorb all this photography knowledge, even though I don't shoot, but I can I can hold a conversation with a photographer. I can yeah. interview a photographer on my own." and not feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and, it, and you just learn from it all the time, different, different yeah. people, different relationships. I think the, you know, what, what I find really interesting is the fact that, um, you know, of course your, your expertise is, is in graphic design predominantly and, uh, yeah. and in sort of photo manipulation, if you want to call it that, or post-production. And of course that's a very large part um, of what you do as a photographer, you know, a lot of the time. So the, these two things are really so closely connected. Because you'd be looking at exactly the same things that I'd be looking at if I did a retouch or, you know, or composite or something like that. Yeah, I just did. Um, so I just did Photoshop World. And usually I do something around graphic design, either, you know, InDesign or Photoshop. But it's like I write for Photoshop User Magazine, but my column is Photoshop for designers. I don't do retouching. I don't do any yeah. of any of that stuff. And... And when Scott said, yeah, we'd love you to be part of Photoshop World, uh, I actually asked if I could do something on the photography track, which I initially is called Shoot Like a Designer, but 
trouble is when you do some of these conferences, if you give a title of something you're going to do something with, they kind of get own, not ownership of the name, but mm. so I did a, a class called photography for design. And, and it was based on a number of experiences that had started to come together from conversations I was having. And mm. it was about how it's really weird how photography and graphic design are so tightly you know, knit together. And yet photographers and graphic designers don't work together. They, <laughs> your photographers don't even know a lot of what graphic designers do in the same way graphic designers have a lot of expectations of photography that maybe because they don't understand where that's coming from, it's hard for them mm. to explain what they want. So I did this class called Photography for Design, and it was basically for photographers. I'm going to teach you how to think like a designer when you're out on a job so that you can not only get the shots that the, that the graphic designer needs, because the, the point was you get hired, you get the email, can you come and do six headshots um, for the staff magazine or the website? So you pick up your camera, you go along, you agree a price, you get the six people, you get your little light, your backdrop or whatever, take them, go home. You've done the Peter Hurley class, so you've made sure they've squinched and everything, and you crop them in tight. Um, and great, they go on the website. But when the, when the graphic designer that the company's working with says, oh, we want the MD on the front of the magazine and we want the people to be in this and we're doing an interview with our CEO, all I've got is this teeny tiny cropped photo that I, as a graphic mm. designer, I can't do anything with. So the whole class was around how to think about where these are going to go when you shoot. So look at the negative space, look at the backdrop, think about what else can you shoot there that isn't just people it might be equipment it might be uniform it might just be the environment itself where they work and build your own stock library because that's the stuff that the designers want and we don't want to keep using stock photography we want it to be authentic so i want the shots of the people in the office and i talk about getting permission um what to look out for and and then how to develop a relationship so when you're taking the photographs say to the team that's hired you if you don't mind me asking where are these photographs going when i'm done with them when i hand them over mm. to you where do they go and they'll either go to an in-house team or they'll go to an external graphic designer so i encourage them to form a relationship with where they're going next go and speak to that design agency or studio because there could be more work for you if they know that you switched on to what they need Mm. The next time they get a design job and someone wants a photographer, you're the person they're going to call because you get what they want. So when you go to that job, they can say, oh, when you go and do those headshots, you couldn't just get a picture of some of the buildings or we need some of like hands-on computers or some monitors in the office. So you learn how to get the extra images to get paid more. Mm. So you get work from the studio or you get work from the client, but it's about approaching the job thinking like a designer because i i don't want to do content aware scale content aware feel content aware you know <laughs> just give me the image just yeah. crop it for them but give me the big wide one give me the guy looking to the right looking to the left give me space above for the front cover of the magazine just think about those things and it went down really well so it's i think it's actually going to turn into a two-part class where we're going to record me live on site with a photographer going through that whole process then the second class will be 
us taking those images and turning it into something. So in the, the, the track, I say, if you're a photographer, go and spend a day with a graphic designer in their studio, watch them make stuff. And if you're a graphic designer, go on a shoot with a photographer and watch what they do and, and look at the scene and think about what you need and talk to them, explain why you want what you want. And I'll tell you what, it, it will improve you as a designer and as a photographer, if you can know each other's language. So, you, um, you know, aside from the, the course there itself, just you're putting out one bit of advice there to all photographers is to go and take five minutes. It doesn't even have to be any more than that. Go yeah. and talk to those people who this is that, that image is going to, and you're potentially generating more work for yourself down the line for the sake yeah. of taking five minutes out and getting to know who, who's receiving that exactly. image. Exactly. You know, making relationships, building relationships is so important these days. But yeah, just just that extra five minutes, just asking that question, just yeah. opening up an opportunity. It's hard enough to get work as it is. You know, the, for photographers who work with people, it's been an impossible 18 yeah. months. And, you know, I fit, really feel for so many industries, but knowing photographers who do weddings, parties, corporate, uh, yeah. Alan Hess does concerts. He's the house photographer at the... Pachenga Stadium, San Diego. He's had no work. Um, he's been picking up golf tournaments and bits and pieces. So it's hard enough to get work as it is. So if you've got an opportunity to just ask that question, spend that five minutes and just develop a relationship, it, you know, I'm here today because I've asked, stopped, stayed behind an extra five minutes and got chatting to someone or sent an email and asked the question. And I, I joke that when, um, I just started a new day job. So I've got a full-time job. And whenever you have the interview and they, I hope they don't listen, they won't listen to this. Um, the question <laughs> I hate is where do you see yourself in five years time? Because uh, I think, I think it's a cheap question. I think yeah, it's it it just, uh, you know, like describe yourself in three words. Um, but when they asked that question, I actually was in an interview and this was 2012. And they said, you know, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Now, at that point, I had done two years connection with Kelby One, with Photoshop World, with well, uh, formerly NAPP, uh, just become friends with Scott Kelby. Uh, and he said, you know, where do you see yourself in five years' time? And I just went, do you know what? I can't answer that question because whilst I could have a plan or a goal, if I think back to five years' time, and then think what's happened to me in those five years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm at a place I could never have planned. I love yeah. that pure by pure accident, chance, fate, serendipity. I'm at this point in my life where I, I'm part of something I never even dreamt of being. Yeah. So all I can say is like in five years time, I hope I, hope I keep doing that. And every year I look back and think five years ago, Wow, I didn't think I'd be teaching at Photoshop World. Wow, I didn't think I'd be doing classes on Kelby One. Wow, I didn't think I'd yeah, be writing yeah. a book for Scott Kelby. It's like never those things were never in my in my wheelhouse of things I thought I could achieve. So yeah, exactly. Although this year, when she said, "Where did you see yourself for five years' time?" I just went, "I'll be sixty in five years' time. <laughs> I'll just be happy to be working. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still got the job." <laughs> 
it's funny that you, you mentioned you gave the example of the of the headshots because actually on my very <coughs> very first corporate headshot job, I made exactly that mistake, and it was it was literally exactly that mistake. I did the I did the headshots. I did exactly what you said. I did the the whole Peter Hurley thing, you know, crop you know crop in really tight, <laughs> squinched, yeah, the squinch thing, <laughs> chin forward, um, and then literally. The day after I delivered the images, I get a call from their in-house designer marketing person. This is for a, um, a travel uh, company, and she was like, "Oh well, you know, we we need these pictures for you know for a new website, um, and I can't use them because they've got the top of the heads missing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I need more space because because of text and you know blah blah." And so, I mean, I just had to basically do a complete re-edit and you know recrop the whole thing, and yeah. that's really taught me a really valuable lesson. Uh, because it's really important to know exactly what the end use of those images is. Mm-hmm. Pre- I mean, and that can change, by the way. This is also an experience that I've made over the years is that, you know, you shoot something with one particular goal in mind. Like, let's say, you know, good example. You know, I did a shoot for a um, staff website. It was a new new website. And, you know, we developed this uh, this look for, for the staff page. Um, and then, you know, about two years down the line, they were using the same images for a billboard campaign. And of course, at that point, it's like, okay, well, yeah, I still have the images. They need re-edit because they need to, you know, they just need, they needed to have wider crop and whatever. That then went to their designer who put the whole billboard thing together. So it's it's so valuable to, uh, you know, to figure all of that out mm-hmm. beforehand and to potentially give your client multiple options. I mean, that's kind of what I do with my private clients now is that I give them different crops for different purposes as long as I know, because they very often don't know what they are going to use the, the final headshot for. You know, yeah. they say like, oh, I need a headshot for my website, uh, but I also want to use it for LinkedIn and for social media and for A, B, C, and D. And so you go, well, okay, I'll give you these ones. They are kind of usable for, for these sort of things. I also do a different crop, which realistically takes me like one minute. Yeah. I mean, look Zero at more time at all. The, I don't know, the Sony cameras, but I remember there was a Nikon camera, the D, D, oh, I can't remember. I don't know the cameras. That's how rubbish I am. But I remember the each image was something like 32 meg that came out of it. Mm. D85, maybe, something like that. A D850, um, maybe, yeah. 850, yeah. And mm. I think like every image that came out of it was 32 meg. So so it was like, unless it's a billboard, pretty much that that photograph alone will be suitable. So oh, yeah, for sure. Take you know, take it with loads of space to the left, the right, and, and above and below. Yeah. Because even if you do crop it, there's still enough in the image. You don't have to zoom in and only get the cropped image. You've got yeah. a load of room and a lot of pixels, and those pixels don't cost you any money. There's not there's no, no exactly. real estate there. It's just use them all. That's what the camera's yeah, there a, for. That's I mean for for me that's been one of the um, one of the most useful things that I've learned as far as headshots are concerned. I always shoot them wide, or wider. I'm mm. um, sorry, I have have a lot more options. You know, especially when you're doing something like a white background. You know, you shoot it wide enough so you've got enough space on either side of the shoulder. You know, you've got both shoulders in, you've got the all the top of the head in and, and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. And then you're golden. And then you can zoom in if you, you know, you can crop in if you need to. And do you want to get, do you want to go for that, you know, New York style yeah. early look? That's cool. <laughs> um, but you also have the options. Because the thing is, you know, you just take LinkedIn as an example. Because of the way that the profile picture crops, uh, it doesn't actually look very good when the top of your head's missing. Because no. you're in a circle. And you know, LinkedIn so- became such a big thing where everyone was suddenly, you know, better take LinkedIn seriously. And uh, yeah. uh, and I do, 
I love the um I love looking through LinkedIn. Uh, I'm because I use LinkedIn as a search engine. It's a brilliant search engine. If it's a tip for anyone, if you're ever looking for work or you're trying to connect with someone in LinkedIn, you can type in like I had to do when I was at my last job, graphic designer BBC, and then it came up with anyone who was a graphic designer at the BBC. Then I could whittle it down to London. Then I could find out who was the head of design at the BBC, and then try and connect with them. But at least. I used it as a search engine, but what I love are the headshots of of professionals. I, I've got to be really careful how I word this, but there's like a there's like a local business element where some headshots are taken by photographers who still live in the 1980s. And I, and the reason <laughs> I can qualify that is I was at a job about five years ago. And they wanted to hire a photographer to come in and do a team shot. And they hired this old, oldish guy. And I looked at his website and I was just like, this guy's website is from like before Friends Reunited. It's like that old. And seriously, he came in <laughs> and he wanted us to, he wanted to do the one where you're all laying on the floor with your head in your hands, all looking at oh, wow. No, 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 no. And back to back, <laughs> you know sitting on stools and I was just cringing but I love looking at the headshots where you just see the thoughtful ones and like the hat the hand jet or the, the cufflinks and there's all these like really cheesy poses people do and I I wanted to start a collection of them but the trouble is you're shaming people for the headshot but yeah. some of them are just so funny where they've they've either said I want to look intelligent or thoughtful or or whatever but yeah, go, just one day, if you've got 10 minutes, 15 minutes to spend your lunchtime, just do a random search through LinkedIn and tr just yeah. try and find really funny, cheesy headshots. It's That's so a, much a Ricky fun. Gervais office moment where he's, he's just yeah. sat there. Going, and, going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are. Some of them are so Ricky Gervais moments uh, where uh, it's just, uh, oh, God, what I'd love to have been in that room when that, that pose was discussed. <laughs> I did. A, you know, I did a talk. I did a talk um, uh, in in a business in some business group um, about the the importance of professional headshots, you know, for small businesses. Mm. And um, and of course, I had to I had to use examples um, as part of that talk. So you know, uh, and some of the some of the examples I, I managed to find were horrific, but hilariously funny. <laughs> and I basically had this whole thing where I had like a set of different images and I made people guess which period they were from, like 1970s, 1980s, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I think, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a thing. I don't think necessarily every, you know, every headshot has to be like a Peter, Peter Hurley no. type of clone type no. of thing. But and, um, and there are some great techniques. Like nobody ever wants to see, you know, like the, the, the triple chin and, you know, yeah. some of them you look at, you look at and think, not that you not that you should kind of sh not shame people but you know when someone's going to look good and when they're yeah. not and we all know that the minute you pull your head back and all your chin suddenly appear not a good look yeah. so why would you photograph somebody and tell them to pull their head right back <laughs> and then shoot them from quite low and just yeah. give them all this stuff going on yeah. It's like, come on, which you're a photographer. You should know yeah. to make people look their best. Why are you making them look yeah. like just all oh, their heads just disproportionately shaped and extra chins have appeared and you shoot it up their nose? Yeah, I mean, see, one of the one of the things that that I always say to um, 
you know, to clients or when I, when I uh, do talks like, you know, camera clubs or whatever, um, you know, when it comes to headshots, professional headshots, actually there's a distinction in my mind between professional headshots and headshots uh, for actors and people mm. in, the, in the entertainment industry. Um, but there are also certain parallels because the real, you know, the, the real importance from a photographer's point of view, the whole posing thing is relatively easy. You can learn that in, in not a, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of time learning how to, how to pose because it's not necessary. You're shooting the head. I mean, it's not, yeah. you know, not that difficult. Um, you know, the lighting thing you can, with practice, you can nail that down pretty quickly too. You can get some really decent, you know, decent images. But what is important is to make sure that, you know, the headshot reflects the person that you're photographing. So for instance, you know, just to give a uh, quick example, like you would never shoot like a healthcare professional, like, you know, a nurse or, uh, or a doctor in the same way that you would shoot a divorce lawyer. You would just never, they're two different yeah. jobs. These two people, um, need to, uh. Although I'd kind of like to see that done. Well, it would be funny. Yeah. It would be funny. <laughs> but you know, these both of those both of those people are professionals, but their professions um, basically dictate that they project a completely different image of themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, a healthcare professional needs to be friendly and approachable. That's how I have to shoot them. So I need to know how to light them in that way and how to post them in that way so that that comes across. You know, just a small change in the head position might make all the difference. A divorce lawyer needs to mean business. It's a completely different yeah. way. I they got to look like a hitman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They need to basically, uh, you know, they need to convey the fact that they will get results for their clients. It's a completely different thing. Yeah, So great. that's really what makes, you know, the difference between a professional photographer, in my mind, and, you know, and, uh, and somebody who just owns a camera, you know, Steve yeah. down the road who has a really expensive camera, you know, <laughs> or, or like even, you know, people taking um, headshots of themselves on their mobile phone. Because... I'm not saying you can't get a good headshot on your mobile phone, but really when you take a, a, a photo of yourself, you make sure that you look good, but you're not thinking on that next level as in no. like, what do I want to portray? Like what needs to go into that headshot? You know, who's it for? Who, who am I trying to, what kind of clientele am I trying to put, yeah. you know, attract and, and all of that kind of stuff. And also on mobile phone, there's the one where you can go, oh yeah, he took that on his mobile phone. Cause oh, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't see his ears. Yeah. Because the phone yeah. does that weird thing where it just loses your ears. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. just look like this really weird, smooth-shaped yeah. thing. But uh, but it mirrors in design. I mean, this even for me, you mm. learn... Uh, there was a really good example. Um, uh, a guy, a friend of mine, Steve Kaplan, did an article once, and I refer to it quite a lot, where he was saying, if I design a poster for a ballet... Uh, let's say at the local town hall on Friday night there's a ballet and on Monday night there's a boxing match. My typography and colour, the mood of the poster will be completely different. And what he did mm -hmm. was he created a ballet poster in the style of a boxing match and vice versa. And it yeah. did not, you know, you could tell, like, well, that's boxing match. It's all like fine font and pastel mm -hmm. colours. And then, you know, the ballet was like big, fat, fold, bold font and black and red and it just didn't suit it so a lot of it that's what i love the crossover with design and photography is there are so many elements that are shared hmm. but you kind of the more you know about both the better you understand the like uh, looking at in, when i'm looking at images on stock if i've got to do a particular job i, I love a blank page i love that i can be given an idea and a, hmm. a typeface can create an idea for me or I will see an image that I think, oh yeah, it's really cool. And my phone is full of screenshots 
or photographs of things I've seen out and about some like even bad design um, or duplicate, like where stuff's been duplicated, but you, there's such a big crossover where I can pick things from photography to help my design. And, and I can speak to photographers about things in design that helps them even just with color. Uh, but I, I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's my hobby. It's I, I don't, I it never switches off. I can, it type it's like type Tourette's I called it once as well. I was <laughs> dri- driving down the road and I'll be like Eurostyle bold. Uh, Myriad yeah. Pro. <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't help but just recognize fonts yeah. and go, I've got that font. I used it on this yeah. particular issue. You just yeah. you just get that style. You'd, you'd, you'd see the same person who did that photo with um Times New Roman. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> My favorite one is the um the, the the fingers on the chin like I'm thinking therefore I'm important yeah and yeah no you just got your finger on your chin the Steve Jobs one is obviously well well done but yeah. there, there's a really cool one where people kind of look into the middle distance holding their chin like people can see me thinking here they're going to think I'm important very Definitely. wise very wise yeah also hands in a headshot in ninety oh, percent of the time it's like no. <laughs> I'm 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 all over <laughs> yeah. that. We should bring that back. That needs to come back. Yeah. That needs to come all, back. Or just a photography show. You've got your your challenges. As many people as you talk to at the show that you get a photograph of, you have to get a photograph of them doing that. Done. <laughs> <laughs> what a cracking loving idea. The ch- loving the challenge. Yeah. Awesome. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who are only listening on audio right now, <laughs> you're gonna have to go to YouTube to see what yeah, just happened. That would be yeah. a true panavision. It's yeah. worth it. It's totally it's worth well it. Worth Seeing it. that in panavision in full colour. <laughs> exactly. Super marionation. <laughs> but I really want to see that ballet photo done in the style of uh, a boxing match. Friday night ballet. Nutcracker versus. <laughs> yeah, you got the, Swan Lake. Two Swan ballerinas. Lake. Yeah, two back ballerinas stood there like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, ballerini. Ballerini. You know, I shot a I shot an MMA uh, cage fight event a few weeks mm. ago. That would have been that would have been funny if that had all happened in like what are they called tutus. Two yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing you wear on a Saturday night. Just a whole bunch of yeah. men, you know, kicking their heads in, wearing in pink tutus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny. Uh, you could create a poster for that event because you had a couple of bloodthirsty photos out of the back, yeah. back of that. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah you, yeah, you need to be funny. creating that. Yeah. <laughs> I know Photoshop that tonight. and that. Photoshop that, put it out there, and then you're getting a knock on the door one night. Uh, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's. This, the funny thing about about uh, cage fighting is that when it's it's bizarre because it's the first cage fight event I've ever shot, really. And um, what I didn't realize is is that when you've got two relatively skinny guys, um, you know, fighting each other in the ring, there's actually a lot of action going on. You know, people jumping. There's like all sorts of different stuff happening. It's actually quite entertaining, other than the fact that they're literally kicking each other's heads in. Um, but when you've got like two big guys going in there, like big muscly, so you know, just picturing them just jumping up and down, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> you know, mountains of men, basically. 
And what happens is within 10 <laughs> seconds, that fight is, it turns into like a wrestling thing on the ground and then nothing happens. Yeah. And it's a weird thing because you look at the photographs and it's just like, this is all weirdly homoerotic. Yeah. Very strange. And it's, it, and it, it's like you're watching Top Gun. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it's like watching two drunk old men having a fight after yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. They can't, They both throw a punch each and end up hugging each other for 30 yeah, minutes. Exactly, just, exactly. It's like they're, they're scared to punch each other, but they just yeah. hang on, hoping one of yeah. them will just give up. Yeah, it's a, oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a funny yeah. experience. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Love that. So when you... Um, when you start a project, um, what's your process usually? Like, how do you how do you start? Like, do you literally you start with a blank canvas? And what's your kind of thought process when uh, you first start? I got asked this the other day, and it, it, it's generally it's more to do with like obviously who's come to you and asked for the work. So, mm. I I've learned over the years that in the beginning, when you're super keen and want every job and you do it so cheap and you just want it, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. Most times you don't communicate with the person that's asked for it. I mean, a lot of times people ask you for stuff they think they need, but actually they want. Um, yeah. And when you actually do communicate with them, especially things like websites, which I used to do, which I wouldn't touch with a barge pole anymore. Yeah. Um, I need a website. Okay. What do you want on your website? I don't know. Just build me a website. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I need copy. I need to know like about us page. I need to know what your like your USP is what you want on the front. How do you want to attract people? Uh, and oh, uh, yeah, go to this website and copy that. Oh. And so generally, the, the, I think the most important conversation is that the person who's asked you to do the job understands what they want, so that they can understand what they get. So the expectations are realistic. Because mm -hmm. I've built a website before, I've asked for the money, and they've gone, "What? I'm typing it into Google. I'm not number one." Well, that's a whole different. That's a whole different thing. You don't understand what you've asked for and you, your expectations are completely, you know, out of, out of scope. And mm. so now I try to get the, my customer to do as much of the work as possible first so that I know when I open up Photoshop or Illustrator or InDesign, it's, I, I was saying the other day to someone about procrastination, um, and that is the more I can think about something, the more conversation I can have about it, it's so much easier to do it. So like for designers, you get the task, you procrastinate for 90% of the time and do all the work in the last 7%. And procrastination for me gives me a chance to overthink something. Yeah. So if I, you know, if you said to me, you want a brochure for the podcast and you kind of give me an idea of what you want and you need it for next Friday, I probably would start it Thursday night even though I could do it today, but what I'd be doing is thinking about you. I'd be researching. I'd be looking online, looking at your interests, who you've interviewed. So you need that groundwork. You need that foundation before you can really start. Now, sometimes I'm very lucky and it might be somebody who I've known and they say, oh, I'm going into business. I need a logo or whatever. And I can generally kind of pull something out of the back of my head. I mean, my favorite one uh, was Glynn's. Uh, Glyn had this old logo with, with GD and he said, I want something a bit different, but I don't know what I want. Um, and I've still got the screenshot of my iPad, uh, my iPad mini from years ago when I was doodling, coming up with it. 
And I, I always start with typography when I'm doing like logo design. And I see if I can do something with typography first before I start going into elements like, you know, Nike's got the swoosh and things like that. So I see if I can do something with a typeface. And I actually made an accident. I accidentally overdrew something. And all of a sudden, I had this eureka moment. And a lot of people didn't realize what I'd done when, when I did the logo. But Glyn's initials are GD. So lowercase G, lowercase D. And what I did was when I drew the G and did the tail, it looked like one eye and a nose. And when I did the D next to the G and swooped over the top and like did a, did a copy of the G and swooped to the top of the lowercase D, I now had, sorry, Glyn, but I now had a bald head, a pair of eyes <laughs> and a big nose. It's so the way he shaved his head. It, yeah, it looks like Glyn. Now, originally, with the dots in the eyes, it looked a bit too Simpson-y. We had to take the dots out. But the G and the D was perfect. It looked like him. It was his initials. I sent it to him and said, you're going to love this or hate this. And it became my favourite logo I'd ever done because so many people would stop oh, wow. me and say, yeah. oh, my God, I love Glyn's logo. The problem with that is they then go, oh, can you do a logo for me? Can you do it like Glyn's? Like, yes, if your name begins with G and ends in D, <laughs> yeah. I can absolutely do that, but I can't because I can't copy his. <laughs> your initials are like WK and yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be a completely different thing. So hey, we could rename ourselves. It could be um, Kirsten Dutz and uh, Geek Derby. <laughs> Done. So hey, some, sometimes the inspiration is right, like in plain sight, and you can do an amazing thing. And other times, yeah. I've I've gone back to clients and given them their money back and said, "I'm yeah. really struggling. I'm really struggling you know, to come up with something that I think you'll like that I'm satisfied with." Yeah. Um, and you know, this is this a funny thing because my my dad, who um, you know, who passed away some some years ago. He, uh, his first name, uh, his first name started with an L and he had this really, cause he was, um, he started in graphic design himself and uh, then went into printing, which is the, mm. the, his main business. He was also a keen photographer, but he had a really beautiful handwriting and, uh, and his, he, he also used to paint and his initial, he would initial all of his paintings with an R and an L and they were like interwoven and kind of, you know, uh, linked together in a really beautiful way. And I think all through my life, I've tried, I've been trying to do the same thing with my initials, Kenny, I've never managed to do it. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. So I've always found it very for, frustrating. The worst one to do is, because I know so many photographers, it's like, mm. you know, there's, there's two things in logos and names that always make me smile. I can't say I hate them because hate's a strong word. Yeah. But it, it always made me laugh at when somebody would say, I want a logo for my photography business. It's like, well, generally the business name is first name, last name, photography. So, okay, then the name is probably going to be done in a script font. So it looks like the handwriting. And then is going to, if their name's got an O in it, there's going to be a lens shutter thing that you always get. Uh, or you, you always try and get some kind of photography icon into the name. So they're the easiest ones to do. And they're the hardest ones to do because the easiest one is I can do any, any photographer a logo by using that method because their business name is first name, surname, photography or studio, or, you know, there's mm. always something like that. And they generally, you can get that photography icon in there. 
But if you want to be original and not go down that route, it's so much harder to try and come up with something where it is first name, surname, photography, and not include something. So I kind of hate those jobs. And then in graphic mm. design, one of my pet peeves with business names, and now once I say it, you'll notice it a lot, is they sit there and go, we want to start off a business. Okay. We want it to be like a little bit edgy and people be like, oh, I bet they're fun. So what should we do? I know what. Let's take a color and a thing in life that isn't that color. So let's be um, blue elephant design or green giraffe. Ah, and uh-huh. and they take a color and a thing that isn't that color. And then it makes them like edgy and different because it's like, yeah, no one's ever seen an uh, you know, orange banana. Yeah. And I hate it. I think it's like a real cliched choice oh to go down. But now I've said it, next time you go out and you see biz like yeah. creative businesses, see how many times you see now a color and a thing that isn't yeah. that color. I hate, oh, I hate hearing things like that because now I will see it man, everywhere. I- <laughs> it's like buying a new car. You've, you yeah. never see it before, and then all of a sudden, you see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, I used to. Uh, I used to teach. I used to teach um, bands. Um, so I, you know, I used to coach bands, um, and they they were probably you know were quite young. Um, so sometimes age nine onwards or something. And so as part of the the whole course, they had to uh, find themselves a band name. You know, just to kind of make it feel more real. And so, um, and we would use. You know, you can find websites where you have like band name generators. Yeah. They ask you a few questions. So we'd basically sit in the office and we'd like, we'd like, okay, right, let's start with, right, what's your favorite color? And they'd be like, black, because it's rock. Okay, cool, <laughs> black. Right. Now, tell me another thing that you like. Sausages. It's like, black sausage. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. We can't do that, guys. <laughs> Why not? We love it. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, my word. Cannot do that. This, this podcast has taken a couple of odd turns tonight, hasn't it? <laughs> but I know what you mean. It's just like some people shouldn't have ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people should just leave ideas alone and let, yeah. let other people do it for them. But it is, it's just one of those things in, in photography and design, like in music, it's you, you pick up on things and they become part of your process of, of design i i take photographs of bad design mm. to show people what bad design looks like there's a van around mm-hmm. the corner uh the other things like proof proofreading and copywriting is if i if i came up with a really awful design for say for like your podcast let's say i came up with really awful design i used comic sans colors that were didn't contrast very well you know like a gr- dark green on a blue and just it, it just mm. all the things wrong. It's not the designer that that frustrates me. It's the person who agrees to print that on the side right. of a van or print <laughs> a poster that the image was offered in seventy two DPI and it's going to be twenty feet wide. And you get up mm. and it's just the most pixelated thing. They're the professionals that I get most frustrated with because it's like mm. you should know this is not right. You should question this and say, are you mm. absolutely sure? And there's a gardener around the corner. His logo is a circle with his initials, and his initials have been done in Comic Sans. And it's it's good and bad in two ways. I always know it. it I like I spot yeah. it a mile off. Yeah. But at the same time, I hate 
every every part of it because yeah. it's like just one just the next typeface along yeah you could have gone from comic sans to century gothic bold it would have looked a bit classier but mm-hmm. you know each to their own if you're happy with it it's it's all right for us to be snobby about photography or snobby about design if yeah. you're happy with it and it does the does the business but yeah. yeah it's just one of those you you learn it um another thing i did a talk i do about graphic design Photoshop world I've done a couple of times is about plagiarism and how you know don't take pictures don't steal pictures off Google and don't still take fonts for commercial use that aren't commercially licensed but when we talk about plagiarism and, and copying and everyone's like no 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 don't copy don't copy don't copy there is one part of our life that that we see nearly every single day that we take for granted and accept that actually is so bad that in any other walk of life, you probably wouldn't get away with it. And that, and the example I give is I take, uh, I've got a picture of a box of Oreos and I've got two slides of all the other biscuits that aren't Oreos that are made to look like Oreos that have different names, but they're all blue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're all black writing. They all use the same style. If you go in a supermarket, hmm, go yeah. and look at go and look at their own brand versus the the yeah. big brand, and look how close their packaging is to the original brand. And they con in yeah. you to I make your brain go. Oh, I got lectured. I got lectured by my ten year old daughter uh-huh. only the mm. other week because she she came out to. I love Oreos. I'm a mm. I'm a bit of a cookie freak. I should say, but I love Oreos, you know. And uh, but my ten-year-old daughter comes up to me and goes, "Dad, did you know that Oreo is a knockoff brand?" Yeah, like, it what? is. Yeah, she goes like, "Yeah, it's a knockoff brand." I'm like, really? What? And then she made me. She explained the whole thing. She She's made me watch so this, seen this, this, on YouTube. this documentary. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's basically all, it's all about how um, the original cookie was called Hydrox. Yeah. Back in the 1910s. What a horrible and name as well it is. Hydrox. But apparently, like at the time, um, you know, words like hydrogen and, and um and oxygen were like the in words because they basically displayed um, you know, they conveyed health and you know, clean living and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And that was like that was just a trend at the time. So, you know, they thought like they thought putting the two words together and calling it hydrox would give, you know, the sense of it being healthy and good and all that kind of jazz. Um, but it was the first cookie that had that had the the cream filling inside. Yeah. So a chocolate cookie with the cream filling, and then things happened, and like people fell out, and blah blah, and somebody ran away with the recipe, and then created Oreo, which is based. The name is based on the plant, with some plant, right? Some plant, Oreo, whatever plant. People can look that up. But uh, yeah, so it's a really interesting thing. But man, my ten year old daughter was like literally, you know, wagging her finger and going. You're eating knockoff cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Hyd- Hydrox is one of the one. And I and I said, like, actually, yeah. this is the original brand, an yeah, Oreos yeah. cookie. But but I love that. I, I now, when I go around the supermarket and I actually deliberately look at the packaging because it's yeah, something yeah. I'm so aware of. And then you look at it and go, wow, a quick like, If you're a busy mum, you've got a trolley, you've got two kids in there. They're screaming. They're hungry. Yeah. They want chocolate. And you're trying to do the weekly shop. You walk down, you quickly see that jar of coffee and your brain kind of goes, yeah, that looks like Nescafe. Mm-hmm. Other coffee brands available. Um, 
and you put it in your trolley and you get home and it's, you know, Sainsbury's super roast. And uh, I mean, like Aldi and Lidl are are infamous for like switching names around. But it's like they get away with it. Yeah, I know. If if somebody so much as opens a food store that's got so much as got the muck at the beginning of it, Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. shut down by McDonald's. Yeah. It's so odd that the supermarkets can get away with such blatant yeah, especially that, that's that's not what I learned from coming to America though, because they have McDowell's. <laughs> McDowell's, yeah. <laughs> McDowell's, yeah. <laughs> They've got the Golden Arcs, remember? Yeah. <laughs> well, but you know, it's I find it even more stifling when, like, when not only is it a complete ripoff of the original logo and branding and colours and everything, but it's also called Test Cafe. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. very good. <laughs> No, that's not a real one. No, that can't well, be no, real. But they can do it. But yeah, I love stuff like that. I love and and I love looking. Another thing is I love looking for when brands like end up using the same stock photography. Yeah. So uh-huh. it's it, when I, I'm always looking at like the special promotions and that. Yeah. And uh, I I kind of collect bits off the internet images where I see. Uh, like inappropriate packaging. There's some brilliant inappropriate packaging stuff out there on inappropriately mm. named things. Or when you see like bad design on packaging, I can't help but just take photographs of it and yeah. just like laugh and think, wow, the somebody came up with that idea. Somebody designed it. That got approved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, went, that went to print. <laughs> that yeah that was then put in front of people to see what they thought. And then it went on the shelf. And then, you know, yeah. next day on Instagram, someone's going, ha, that milk looks like a penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's got a Hitler tash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, man. I did a, I did a, I designed a poster one time, um, which was a poster for a, what was it? It was a theater play. Oh, it was the Empress. Was it called the Empress Clothes? Oh Yeah. It's the Empress, maybe. I don't yeah. know. So, so I had this. Um, I had a silhouette of this emperor holding a scepter, and um, <laughs> yeah, it was a silhouette, and it was all you know. Anyway, oh, so this is gonna go so, down another route, isn't it? <laughs> so I sent this off, and the only the only comment I got back is like, "We love the poster, uh, but the emperor, could you get rid of the phallic?" Part? <laughs> <laughs> What phallic part? And I'm thinking, and I looked at it again. And I'm thinking, oh no, I never saw that. <laughs> How Other big? Pod- <laughs> yeah. Other podcasts are available. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. oh. But you know the, the stock photography thing. Um, you know, I find that a lot because obviously, um, I, you know, I work with with corporate clients predominantly, and uh, you find that a lot on corporate websites is that you know particularly like office shots or when you have like IT companies, a lot of the times there's like, you know, images of the server room or something. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, that's uh, that's weird because that's the exact same image that your competitor has on his website. Exactly. So you share exactly. the same server room? Or so if you're, you, you know, the same if you're the photographer and you go in, like ask if you can go out on a, you know, if you've got one of your engineers going out on an installation, maybe just mm. get permission from the company obviously going to. And get like your engineers working in the server room, mm. putting something up. You know, at the end of the day, stock photography is good because a lot of times, like, you know, it always makes me laugh where if you said, you know, um, we're doing a cut, co- we're doing the banana conference. Why do you need a photograph of a banana? 
everybody mm-hmm. knows what a banana is, but sometimes yeah. you just need that image. And I think there, there was a survey done where they, uh, it was with students and it was 10 facts that were untrue. And they gave, 10, they gave one bunch of students the 10 facts with a photograph attached to each that was stock photography. And they gave the 10 facts without photographs to another bunch of students. And the ones with the photographs, the students believed the facts were true. And the ones without the images, the students but pretty much said like eight out of 10 of this is not true. So sometimes just that mm. any photo makes you buy into the, into the thing. And sometimes the photos are very obvious, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I spend a lot of time in stock photography because it's sometimes the, you know, the quick, the quick sure. it's funny. Yeah. And I don't know how much long, longer we got, but I, it's funny how you put, how your perception changes about certain things as well like um crowdsourcing ideas a lot of designers don't like companies that say hey we need a new logo all of you do one and we'll pick one we'll pick the best one the designers mm-hmm. are going well hang on a minute i'm not spending all my hours yeah. you know coming up with an idea for you and you're just going to pick the best one and i've wasted all my time the same designers that when slack changed their logo all go well i could have done better than that i'm going to spend hours showing what i could have done (laughs) you just spent the same amount of time the slack aren't going to go the the, you know the owner of slack isn't going to go bugger me we've just spent a million pounds on that logo rebrand but jeff in his bedroom's done one slightly better let's cancel the whole lot and go with his (laughs) so if you're going to do it do it on the local business but Mm. yeah that kind of uh i forgot where i was going with it now distracted myself what were we saying at the beginning I've lost it. I've lost it. It was to yeah. do with, it was to do with ways spending time on something. I knew, yeah. I knew at some point in this podcast, I would distract myself from this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll come, it'll come back in a minute. Yeah. It was to do with design, but I'm old. Right. I forget stuff. <laughs> you, you know, one, one thing that's come up time and time again tonight is, um, you know, you, so, so I primarily, primarily do video work and, mm big proportion of time that's spent on the entire project is pre-production yeah and you know i I, whenever i do a video project and whenever we we do one together as well for a a client we spend hours on pre-production hours and hours and hours and that could be just between us talking about it and understanding what our shot list is going to be just for argument's sake um speaking with scripting speaking with the client and going back to your point earlier about understand making sure the client understands what they actually want because they don't necessarily they may not have thought through everything that we can think through because we've done it so many times and we can guide them and mm. coach out information from them so that they can start oh right oh so that's if i want to put it there then i can't really have it 10 minutes long no no you want that to be less than a minute you know and marketing techniques and things like that depending on what the video is for and all that kind of stuff but the the amount of time that you spend on pre-production is so critical yeah and having those five minutes as we said earlier about going to talk to where those uh, the people that those images are going to is absolutely critical yeah it's it's often it's it's easier because you're going to come out on top you're going to look better for it yeah so you know from a client's perspective um the thought process very often starts with oh i think we need a new video for our website I was like, okay, 
you know, carry on? What, what is it for? <laughs> what do you need yeah. to, what do you want to say? Why then, do you need to need Yeah, it? very often, <laughs> like I think when, you know, when, when clients come to us, it's often a matter of them telling us what they don't want rather than them having a, yeah. a, a uh, precise yeah. idea of what it is that they actually want. And that's just the whole coaching thing that just leads down to exactly. find, you know, yeah. finding some answers for that. But well, it's communication. Exactly. Yeah. What I found really interesting that you said said earlier was that you could spend a period of time trying to get together a, a logo for someone, for example, and actually turn around and say, you know what, I I, I don't think I'm the right right designer for you. Exactly. I'm not able to come up with what I think you're actually going to want and that I'm happy with, and that that's that that's tough. That's a difficult thing to say to a client, and it, you've yeah. got to have confidence in yourself and you to to be able to turn around and go you know what i, I don't think i'm the right person for you i'm sorry yeah. this person might be great for you though yeah reference referencing each other i've got a friend who's a great graphic designer in fact i work with him now through, um like through weird circumstances we've all ended up working together again and he has a specific strength in graphic design that i've not done for quite some time so when i get asked for freelance work of of a specific nature i just say speak to russ like mm -hmm. he's so good at that that you know he can he can probably give you more than i can think about at the moment because he does that kind of work all the time now of mm -hmm. course you know i'm walking away from money but i would rather have a satisfied client that's going to think yeah. actually i'll go back to dave he was really helpful that time i know yeah. now that dave's speciality is and and if i want this Russ's speciality is that. And the same for you. If you have a specific specific style or a specific, you know, way that you want to work, sometimes clients can be, a, you know, a bad client. You know, they, they yeah, can't communicate absolutely. what they want. And there's nothing honest, worse happens, than taking yeah. money off someone if you can't deliver what, what they're expecting. Happens all the time. I mean, it, this really absolutely. happens all the time. I, you know, I get, I get calls for all sorts of different things that I just, that I don't shoot. And I know somebody who's much better and, you know, that, that, that potential client will be better served by, um, by working with somebody else. Uh, food photography is a good example. Yeah. You know, I don't shoot food. Um, and really most of the time I don't shoot products either. So, you know, if that's what the client wants, I know a guy who is really good at that and you should be working with them because you can be a lot happier, um, then if you force me to do it, because I don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's. We were, um, we were, I just remember we were, I was going to talk about something to do with stock photography. That's where I was going with that conversation. It, it's starting to come back to me now, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't remember it still. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just knew I think, that I it, started, it was starting to come back. It was something to do. And when you just said that then, it's like it's picking out. Yeah, they could come to, oh, I know what, I know what it was. I know what it was. It was the, I was going down the Fiverr route where a lot right, of people right, right. don't like Fiverr and those kind of services. And, to, you know, and I agree, you shouldn't pay a graphic designer $5. But some of those mm. people on Fiverr are earning some ridiculous money. Now, mm. they might be doing a lot of things for small amounts of money, but they're making more money than a graphic designer who charges, you know, hell of a lot more. Now, always go for the professional we train hard you know we, we invest in ourselves um and we we give a rate that is based on our experience not how long it takes us to do it it's all yeah. the things that why you've come to me to do it but there are times where at the same time if i need a 
photograph of a server room, I'm not going to hire a photographer to go to an IT company and pay the photographer 250 quid to go and take a photograph of a server that I then maybe got a license to the image, depending on how it's going to be used. It's not practical. So that's where stock photography does come in. And that's Mm. why I encourage photographers, if you've got photographs on a hard drive that you've taken for a job that maybe M1 or 2 got used, stick them on stock, on Adobe Mm. Stock. They won't earn money on your hard drive, but they will earn money someone's looking for them so there is a place for stock photography there's a place for you know going online and getting logos but it's the realisticness of i'd love to hire a photographer every single time if i could Mm. so in certain instances depending on how big the client is and what they're looking for i would say yeah for your website hire a photographer and get a ton of stuff shot of your business but if it's someone who i know local who does a i don't know aromatherapy or something I can go on stock and get a picture of some essential oils sure. and, and stick them on the website and they'll do. But there was, uh, I was chatting to a web designer and we were talking about the cost of web design back in the day. You know, I used to be able to charge a real premium for web website design. And then, you know, it was all hand coded and it, you know, it was a lot of time and effort put into it. Then WordPress comes along and you've got CMS systems that are now like a back end that you can bring themes into it. And I was buying a couple of themes off a place called Theme Forest. No affiliation mm-hmm. here. It's just a company I used to use. You'd go on there and buy a theme for maybe $47. You download it, you plug it into WordPress. It's all templated. You know, replace this image with your image, replace this text with your text. And you could Info. make... <laughs> you could make a good a good amount of money building a website by using a theme. And there are some web designers that were still like, I don't like themes. But I made the point to someone who was sort of complaining about it and said, okay, I appreciate we all have our ethics of how we how we behave. But I said, you're kind of here not getting web work because you are kind of got a very premium rate for it and not everyone has that budget as much Mm. as you think it's worth that and you want to do it they don't have the budget there's a guy on theme forest that made a theme for wordpress he sells it for 47 dollars. go and have a look at how many of those themes he sold he'd earned something like four million Mm dollars selling that theme now he has to support it but it made four million dollars now, ethics are great, but so's four million dollars. So sometimes <laughs> you've got to actually move with where technology's going. And sure. now, you know, you go online, you've got places like Motion Array, you've got all these after effects things you can buy. You've go on yeah. Facebook, you're forever seeing ads for plugins and add-ons mm-hmm. and effects. And you know, we it's now kind of hard to be original because it's so cheap to buy you know a thousand after effects or a thousand premiere pro effects for 40 dollars lifetime access and Mm. whereas before you'd go and hire someone to do your logo spinning and whatever now you can just go on a website and it kind of does it for free or a couple of dollars so you have to you have to realize as a photographer and a graphic designer that sometimes people people don't have the money and they can get that stuff let them do it 
let them do it because those people who are creating those assets are still making a living. Yeah. They're just making a living in a different way. So I know straight away speaking for, to a client from their, from their budget. He's like, how, what, you know, they could say to you, well, you've got a nice camera. All you got to do is turn up and take a picture of him. Why are you charging me 300 pound for it? <laughs> Same as, well, you've got Photoshop. It's going to take you five minutes. I don't want to work with that client. They, yeah, no. they, they, they don't value. Um, no. There was a, there was a little story I told at an, an event once was a photographer asked me to do a design for their business and do a flyer for them, like a price guide thing. Cause they were going to mm-hmm. an event and they wanted to get some business. And they said to me, like, how much would this cost me to do this kind of trifold flyer thing? And I was like, well, I'm going to have to get some copy done. I'm going to need some images from you. Got some layout. It's probably going to, if I started it on Monday, I could probably knock that out in a week, you know, cause there'd be a bit, little bit of back and forth between you and me. So I'd probably be looking for 250 pounds. And they were like, Oh, I wasn't expecting that much. I was thinking like maybe about 50 quid. And I'm like, it's an hour. That's, that's an hour. I, I can't make that in an hour any more than any other tradesperson asking him to do it in an hour. Sure. I said, but look, let's, let's not talk money. Let's talk about what you need. All right. Because mm. you need this. It's important. And I lulled them into a full sense of security. So I said, um, let's talk about what, what you want people to buy into. Okay. You, so you specialize in this. So how are you going to sell that? So are you, do you do like an hourly rate or do you do a, a half day, a full day? And he was like, uh, yeah, I, pr- I, I would prefer to do a half day and a full day. Cause it's, financially more beneficial than just doing mm-hmm. an hourly rate brilliant okay so ballpark figure i mean if i find the client and i say can you come to my premises a couple of miles down the road and take a couple of photographs of our new vehicle and a couple of members of staff um and maybe a picture of the building what am i looking at for a half day rate and he's like well my half day rate is 450 pounds or no, I think my half day rate was 500 pounds. My full day rate was 900 pounds. So it kind of was a little bit cheaper. So, okay, brilliant. So we need to look at off telling them what they're going to get for a half day, full day. Brilliant. Okay. We've got all that. So I just want one question for you. Why do you think you're so worth smart. 450 pounds for half a day, but mm. I'm not worth 250 pounds for a week's worth of work, making you the thing that's going to help you make that much money. Yeah. Very smart way. To I know. And it. I didn't do the job. I said, you don't appreciate, mm. you want people to appreciate your time and expertise, but you're not prepared to show that respect to somebody who you've come to because you know, I can do you something really good, but you don't value my time, expertise or equipment. You know, my you know, MacBook Pro is two and a half grand. Your camera's two grand. My iMac's another fifteen hundred. My Adobe Creative Suite is fifty pounds a month. My yeah. Tawacom tablet, my classes that I've done. We're both investing in what we do, but you just don't respect what I do in, in time. You want to get me for fifty quid, but you want to charge four hundred and fifty pounds for half a day. Yeah. yeah. So you know, as a photographer, don't ever disrespect a designer and designers don't ever disrespect photographers. We, we charge accordingly. We have bills to pay. We've got a business. Mm-hmm. We do all the calculations to work out what this is. And if you don't want to invest, 
there are cheap options for you. But yeah. yeah. And frustratingly, <clears throat> they're the type of conversations that are happening constantly. Yeah, it does yeah. instantly. <clears throat> it's it does happen. I mean, I've said it for I think quite a long time ago, I was, you know, I stopped caring <laughs> about those sort of things. Because, you know, you you have those. I you know, I think what I'm what I've come to uh to think is that you know I'm happy to help. I may not be the right person to do this job, mm. but I may be able to point you in the direction of somebody who yeah. can do the job for you. Yeah, you know, totally. I, have, I have that that um you know I have that with uh, with headshots just you know as as an example. Um, you know, some people don't need what I charge or what yeah. I create as a headshot. They don't need that. Some people just need a quick headshot for a LinkedIn thing, and now that'll be done. Mm. You know. Um, they don't need to spend the money to shoot with me. They don't need to invest the time and all of the kind of stuff that is what I do. Um, and if that's the case, then I don't want to charge them what I would normally charge. But but likewise, I also don't want to um, do that shoot because I could book somebody else in, you know. So from yeah. because I have also have you know mouths to feed and bills to pay and all yeah. the rest of it. But I know somebody literally just down the road who would probably be happy to do that job. Um, and I'm really, I'm very, very happy to, um, you know, to, to pass them on. Absolutely no problem. No hard feelings or anything, but what I offer is just not what they need. Yeah. And Some fine. people don't need premium or they, I, I mean, sometimes I know people don't like free work or spec work, but actually, you know, I've done a, I'll do free work, but sure. on my terms, if, if I uh, offer, well, if, exactly, if, yes. you know, if I look at, you look at your logo, I've got a friend who I saw their logo today and I was thinking they could have better, but they probably don't, you know, they're happy with what they got. They don't want to spend on it. It's not something they want to do. So quite often I've done, I've done a quick logo redesign for it for somebody and gone, look, you can, you can have this. It's on me. But if I do, if I do something like that, I, I give them an invoice and I put in the invoice what I would have charged. Yeah. And then I give them a discount that means basically they pay a pound for it. Yeah, 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 exactly. My, my logic being, if somebody sees what I did for you and goes, oh my God, that's amazing. I want something like that for my business. How much did that cost you? The last thing I want you to say is, oh, my mate, Dave did it for free. Oh, cool. If he does them for free, give me his number. Right, no. Exactly. Tell them, oh yeah, that would... Uh, that kind of service would cost 250 pounds or 500 pounds or whatever then i'm not made to look cheap if that person thinks mm -hmm. well, that's, that's a good rate for that that's a really yeah. good bit of work i'd like that you get valued better so if i do yeah. do a, a free one i i will always give an invoice and say yeah if anybody asks you i would normally yeah. charge this or Absolutely. i want to help you get your business off the ground all i yeah. ask is when there are things you're going to need down the line, I get first choice. I might sure. not be able to do it. It might not be something I want to do, but I get first choice. Yeah. So I and may make, not make money from it again, but it's, yeah, and, it's and, my you know, there's choice. Always, there's always, um, well. you know, I like the way you put it when you said like, when you do free work, you do it on your terms. And, you know, this is, I, I very, very much believe on that. I believe in that. Um, you know, one example would be, you know, during the lockdown, um, for you know, for Nick and me, we basically had you know our uh, photography and video work went down the drain. I mean, literally mm. in one day, you know, everything got cancelled. We've talked about this many times on this podcast, um, which incidentally is the reason why this podcast even exists because we literally just 
you know, got on the phone one day and went like, what are we doing now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm done with Netflix. Let's, uh, let's, let's do something creative. Cause you know, it's like the walls are caving in on us. Um, and you know, when, so one of the things we started doing during the lockdown was we started shooting cars, um, just okay. because we couldn't shoot any people. So, you know, we thought, uh, in fact, it, that was also, um, because of a guest that we had on the show and we talked about uh, automotive photography and light painting and we thought, well, this sounds fun. Let's try that. You know, why, why can't we try that? Be cool. We just need to find some interesting cars. And of course we did it for free because, because we just needed something to do. Personal you know, project. Personal project. Personal exactly. project lead to work. Absolutely. Yeah, personal project. Um, it was fun, fun for us because we actually, well, we had to learn how to do stuff and practice and, you know, get better at it. Then I'm not saying, you know, we're super perfect, but actually I think the images that we can make now are much better than the first ones that we did. So there's, you know, some progression yeah. visible. And you can add it. You can add it to your kind of portfolio yeah. of work you can do that if yeah. it come push come to show i remember glenn used to say um it's if you if you're a photographer and you list all the things that photographers shoot you're never a specialist in anything exactly whereas if you're a portrait photographer or a landscape photographer or a commercial photographer or a wedding mm -hmm. photographer people know what you specialize in but you've yeah. got to produce those goods you can't just go yeah. well i've got a camera i can shoot anything Light, light in a car is different to light in a bride. It's different yeah, to light in a, you know, a landscape. It, you, yeah. can make, you can make, you can Sorry, make. I've just got this image of you going to a bride now and say, can I light your tailpipe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get a lamp underneath you. Um, yeah. To see your shiny bits. But yeah, so, so at least taking a, yeah, you know, I I do things in design that I've never done before that I practice, and I think, can I can I say I'll add that? I've taken I've actually taken things away from what I do just purely because, like you yeah. say, technology changes, people do things differently. But yeah, lockdown. Yeah. I mean, so many people were uh, the clever ones have taken the opportunity to learn a new skill and add it yeah. to there. So a lot of photographers have added video because it's something you can do at home. You can walk around locally. You don't need to be near people. You can learn shooting, composition, come back. You've got Premiere Pro or, or DaVinci or any of them. And you can learn editing. There's loads of classes online on YouTube, on Skillshare, all of those. You can learn these new skills. So you can add something. So when the work starts coming back, you're ready for it. You've got an extra couple of strings to your bow. But if you've sat on your ass and done nothing and given up and suddenly you come out, everyone's ahead of you. So yeah. all that work, you think right. that the phone's going to start. I always say to people, the phone never rings. No. You, if you sit there waiting for the phone to ring, you'll be bored really quick because it's not going to ring. You have to go out mm. and let people know who you are because it's like we used to call it Oscar time uh, when we had pay rises at work. Is if you're going to mm. get a pay rise or a bonus at work, think about, the Oscars, the films that win the Oscars, they're generally the films that came out quite close to when the Oscars are. So you want to be, re you want to be the first name in their mind when they think of something and they're only mm -hmm. going to remember you for recent. They're not going to remember you from, unless you were amazing, they're not going to remember the thing you did 11 months ago. So I used to joke at work. If you want, if you want to get a pay rise or a bonus, just, just make sure the boss knows the good work you're doing at the moment, like the really yep. good project you did. Make sure they hear about it. Because when they're sat around the table going, well, Dave did that thing the other day. It was brilliant. You know, I might have been awful for 10 months. Mm. <laughs> so 
you doing something and putting it out there, getting yourself on social media, posting behind the scenes, sharing your stories. When people are finally coming back to hiring, you're going to be fresh in their mind because they saw the work you did, the behind the scenes, the explanation, the fun you're having. You're great. You're going to be great people to work with. You know, you're a good team. I love all their stuff. So when somebody says automotive photography or videography, you always want to be that first name hmm. that they think of before they, I was going to say, open the yellow pages. How old is that? Wow. <laughs> yeah. J.R. Oh Hartley. Hold on, um, hold on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, before they have to do a Google search for someone, yeah. like try and try and implant yourself in, in someone's mind with what you do. Let them, you know, if you've been hired for a thing, let them know the other things you do. Because quite often they go off and hire someone and next time they talk to you, they go, oh, yeah, had someone come in to shoot the vehicles. And you go, well, we do that. And they go, well, I didn't know you did that. So make sure people know what you do and show them your work. Like Keep stuff on your iPad or your phone. If a conversation comes up, show your work. Yeah, Because then it's just like fresh. They've seen it. They remember you. They've met you. You're nice guys. They, they're just... It's that whole package comes together. Mm. And right now, you know, everyone's, everyone's just kind of hustling, do, doing their, their, their best kind of way to, to keep ahead and, and get work. How's the, yeah. uh, how's the yeah. whole pandemic been for you like the last 18 months or something? Uh, actually, I mean, the, the, job, the job I had during the pandemic um, was the best job I've ever had in my life. Um, it, I was working for a company called Astute Graphics. We made plugins for Adobe Illustrator. And when I joined them, um, you know, I got that job through meeting them at an event and impressed them with, with what I was doing and got off the job. Mm. Uh, and it was just one of those jobs that kind of ticked every box of everything I'm good at. So during lockdown, like I said, people were at home. Designers were still designing. Um, people were still doing things. So I was lucky enough I could work from home three days a week and go into the office two days a week in Hereford, which is about 65 miles from Swindon. Um, and then when kind of the pandemic kicked in, I was able to work from home. Obviously, the kids couldn't go to school. So me working from home was great for them because I was here. My job, I was more productive at home as well i was working actually working longer hours um i i it, it's a weird thing when people used to say work from home they used to do bunny ears because it normally meant yeah. they're playing golf so <laughs> so through the pandemic i i kept working and we we were actually developing a lot of things to help designers kind of improve why they had the time at home to work and you know, aside from the horrible side of the pandemic, from a work point of view, I didn't suffer. I actually suffered after the worst of the pandemic because as we came out of it in May this year, my boss decided he needed to kind of, okay, we didn't see that coming. We've survived it. We had, a, you know, a dip in the middle, but we got through it. Nobody was furloughed. Nobody was fired. But as we came out the other side, he kind of went, okay, I need to reevaluate how, how this business is going to go forward 
if this continues. And unfortunately, my role as training manager and community manager wasn't a direct money-making role. So being able to take my salary and put it back into the business has allowed them to do some different things to help them survive over the next 12 months. So as much as I hated losing my job, I totally understood the reasoning why it had to happen. And they're a great company and I, I still want to work with them. I ended up getting a different day job things are coming kind of back to normal a little bit um probably the hardest thing was the fact that i couldn't give my kids the time they deserve to learn from home because i was doing my day job so me working i miss traveling probably the biggest thing is i love traveling to the us you know going out to kelby one photoshop world adobe mac to creative south all the events that stopped that has probably been the hardest yeah. thing. It's now coming up to, in November, it will have been two years since I was last in the States. And God, I miss, really miss it. So the minute, like the minute Biden says, yeah, we'll let people back in. And I, and I think it's safe enough. I'll be on a plane as fast as you can imagine. Hey, in and, the meantime, uh, you could go to Canada. Yeah, I know. Who wants What's to go crazy? to Canada? What's in Canada? I've been trying to get to Canada for two years. Lakes. Wow. <laughs> mountains? Mountains. Lakes. And mountains. Can- and Canada's great. Yeah. Canada's great. It's awesome. I try him up for it. Try, doing a, do, flying to America via Canada is one of the yeah. most hardest experiences. Like going through TSA is frightening enough as it is. Mm. But going through TS, going through American TSA in Canada, that's scary. I, I will never fly through Canada again. <laughs> love, love Canada, love Canadians. But yeah, the, the, oh, that's one bit of the traveling that's really hard. But yeah, I, I can't wait to get back out there. I've, yeah. you know, looking forward to the first of it. I'm really, you know, the photography show uh, in September, it will have been two and a half years since yeah. the last photography wow. show. It was March 2019, yeah. the last one. Yeah. So I can't wait to be in front of people. We'll be masked up. We've got to take, you know, uh, lateral flow test every day obviously the you know there are covid restrictions in place yeah. um and i know like the whole delta thing is still quite scary but i actually don't mind uh, i've double jabbed um mm. i'm quite looking forward to being amongst people again and and yeah. shaking hands it's, and sharing coffee Absolutely. yeah i mean it's you know i feel exactly the same thing it's it's been such a long time i mean you know much much like yourself you know i haven't been able to travel i've been able to see family in canada or in germany for, mm. for nearly two years uh which has been which has been very tough um you know but i before the pandemic a large part of what i did was uh shoot shooting conferences and conventions and i have done zero of that mm. you know the last um the last conference i shot was in budapest and i was literally five days before everything shut down over here wow. or like or maybe like a week or something yeah um and i remember like being on a flight back and like just reading like bbc news on on my phone and everything was kicking off and i'm thinking oh god i was in australia wasn't i yeah you were at that yeah. Point. yeah i was just flying back yeah, yeah. so um yeah, we, we very nearly very nearly did the budapest job together do you remember yeah i remember very nearly yeah. yeah 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 it was just like you know i didn't i remember like we went out for a drink just the whole crew like the whole av team you know and me and uh on the last day and we're just sitting there going like guys i don't think we're gonna see each other for a while the way things are going and mm. but little did we know 
it was going to take two years. Yeah. Because at the time, it was like, oh, yeah, three months. Yeah, three months, six months, months. you know. Yeah, you wait till, I can't wait till 2020 ends because 2021 is going to be the, yeah, yeah, we all get back to normal. Nope, we're we're kind of, we're still in the the same boat, although slightly different. But I I, I said like, it's so funny from a a human behavior side is look at how we were feeling in March, 2020. Like it's just kind of broken. I'd gone to a football match with my son in the middle of March it was kind of looking like, actually, we should take this seriously. I remember there was a couple of people on the train wearing face masks. They were, I would say, Chinese, Japanese, like yeah. at that part of the world Same wearing the airport, face masks. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah. And it was like, oh, look, they're wearing face masks. And you know, we've gone to a football match, thousands of people. Then all of a sudden, it's all kicked off. Mm. And within a year, our natural behavior had become such that seeing somebody without a mask on made you be like yeah. a little bit judgmental like oh yeah and yeah. and what you're touching where you're going and the air that you're breathing and how close mm. you are to someone within a year we have become tuned into not touch it. I, I had to go to london for a, mm. a training thing and i realized i drove to hammersmith parked my car walked to hammersmith station and got a train to Covent Garden. And I I never touched a single thing on the underground the whole time. Wow. Mm. I had my mask on. I didn't touch a barrier. I didn't hold a stair rail. I didn't hold anything on the train. I folded my arms and went in the corner and realized I'd mm. consciously made an effort to keep away from people, especially if they weren't wearing a mask, not to touch anything, and got to the hotel. And something we wouldn't even normally think about. Yeah. So now I feel quite comfortable. It's a bit like if you go out to the pub or a nightclub. If you mm. want trouble, you'll find it. If you want to yeah. fight, you'll find it. But generally, we don't get into a fight because we know how to keep away from trouble. Our yeah. spidey sense kind of tells us, yeah. don't go over there. <laughs> mm. So I think now with, with travel coming back and events coming back, mm. I'd like to think that the majority of us who are intelligent, straightforward thinking, logical people mm. understand what's going on. Um when we go to events, we are going to be more conscientious and compassionate yeah. and not get into people's faces and be careful what you're touching and being clean and mm-hmm. that. I think it's a bit, I'm interested to see how long it takes us to go like back to normal. I don't think we'll ever go back to normal. I think we've now seen something in society that's making us appreciate space and cleanliness and there was a, and I'm there a was people a, person. Yeah, you know, I'm a hugger. Yeah. There was a point early on, um, I think, where I, I got really worried. Um, there was a point maybe, I don't know, maybe six weeks into the whole thing, into the first like total, total lockdown. Mm. When, do you remember when it was like, there were like shortages at the supermarket, you know, empty shelves and toilet people were beating each other up <laughs> over, over like toilet roll or whatever. Yeah, and like no pasta and whatnot. And I remember... You had a ter- terrible apocalypse apocalypse films in your head, didn't you? At that point, I bet. Oh, for sure. I was like, I was, uh, I was, I was buying all sorts of different things. I had like, I have like a pantry, and it was full with stuff. And it's like we actually started that. It was one of the, I don't know what it was. That's why I couldn't buy toilet roll. No, probably okay. not. It was all in my pantry. You had all the pasta as well, <laughs> I didn't did, you? I did. <laughs> I shelves of this shit. Oh but anyway, so um, no, but I remember that you know I remember going to the superstore one time. 
and just at, you know, the grocery store. Mm. And I remember coming around the corner of an aisle and there was a lady coming around the opposite side or the opposite corner um, of the same aisle. And our, our eyes met like literally, I don't know, 15 meters apart. Sounds yeah. sweet. And the, oh. the fear in her eyes <laughs> for her just to see another human being was, was that just really stuck with me. I just thought that's where we are now, where we're, f- where we're, you know, where this whole thing has instilled this fear, this like primal fear in people where like just the, the sheer sight of another human being like now causes that, that kind of reaction. Like I, thought, I wow. think it was just you. Well, I, think was gonna, really, I was going to say, <laughs> how, how does that differ you. from normal for you? <laughs> hey, people do fear me. Of course, I am feared all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I did like one thing from going into a supermarket when, when the, the shortages were on. Uh, and I made it a bit of a game when I when I actually felt safe enough to go in. No matter how big a pandemic and no matter how much there's a shortage of stuff, people just don't buy scotch broth soup. <laughs> I went in, I went, and it was funny seeing the products that like, God, everything's sold out. But I still wouldn't eat that. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and there were certain certain things that were still on the shelves that there were loads yeah. of that be like yeah you could live off that but it's sure. funny seeing yeah i'll have all the pasta i'll have all the toilet rolls oh i'm not having yeah. oxtail soup Ooh, well, see, you know I always, I always thought at the time you know i always thought people were making such a drama over toilet roll when really you know think like in a global pandemic really i mean the important thing is that, is that you have enough food i mean the toilet roll, if you run out of toilet roll, what's the worst that can happen? You're going to have to stand on the shower, probably. That's probably the worst that can happen, right? If you run out of food, you and have And the Camera Shake podcast takes another turn. Yeah. <laughs> Put it this way. If there's not enough food, you ain't going to poo. No, yeah, exactly. You won't need the toilet roll either. So, but, you I, know. I, I know I live on my own, but I didn't buy up anything. Did you know? No. Well, I mean, yeah, that, no, that's true. But the thing is, you know, you could, I was, you know, I thought the same thing. Sometimes I have these conversations with like my relatives or whatever. But the thing is, you know, when there's five of you in a house, like it's different when you got big, big, bigger yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, hmm. one toilet roll for you is a whole pack for us. Basically, you know, it's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I know. That's my stepson. <laughs> so I'm saying, <laughs> it's all about pasta. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, talking about pasta. So, you know, my wife was, my wife was funny because she, she has to eat gluten-free uh, stuff because of her, like she has a condition. Um, and so she was very sympathetic when, you know, when, uh, when pasta ran out and stuff, but we went, the first time we went to the, the grocery store together, we witnessed somebody looking at the pasta shelf and then having a conversation with his partner or whatever, but like, oh, it's all empty. Oh, there's gluten-free pasta. Let's just go and get that. And my wife went into a total rage. Like, how dare yeah. <laughs> buy gluten-free pasta if they don't have to, you know? So. Yeah, that's all I can eat. Thanks. And, yeah, and exactly. you, you can guarantee that all those people that bought gluten-free pasta a year ago is still in their cupboard. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Is. Yeah, 100%. You see, I, I thought that story was going to take a slightly different turn, given how many turns we've had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you were going to describe... Why you needed all that to- extra toilet roll because she'd well, eaten gluten. Well, that could have very well been the case. You know, Good what job if, she doesn't watch this podcast. What Otherwise, what, what, I'd what be in trouble got? for that one. <laughs> the podcast with more chicanes than Silverstone. <laughs> she, may well, she may very well be, um, be starting to watch this podcast because, because get this. So 
my wife's parents' neighbor is a retired cameraman for the BBC, right? Oh, right. And when my wife went over to her parents the other day, he came to see her and he said, like, you know, I've been listening to your husband's podcast. It's really good. And it just dawned on my wife that, you know, we're not the only people. <laughs> <laughs> Other people hear it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I say to her, we rarely ever talk about photography. That's kind of not the point. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that we was... talk about what happens when you eat gluten. And <laughs> <laughs> the 1970s musical entertainers. And, <laughs> and bad 80s photography. Yeah, exactly. I, oh, I enjoyed when Glenn and I first started He Shoots, He Draws. It was kind mm. of, we, you know, we were having a conversation every week that uh, we, you know, we'd always room together when we were traveling. And the conversations yeah. we had in the room were like 90% we could never broadcast. We would be like absolutely taking <laughs> yeah. the piss out of so many people we knew and situations and that. But we realized yeah. some of it was kind of shared opinion. Why don't we try and turn it into a podcast and talk about these things that annoy us? Because if nobody listens, yeah. so what? You know, we're having fun. Yeah. We're recording. And it turned into, you know, quite a therapeutic kind of thing. It was, it was yep, good exactly. that we could just, turn, you know, use that and chat about stuff. But it, it now we're, here we are all this time on. And yeah, therapeutic I, is a really good word. Yeah, it's quite, yeah. quite good being able to share experiences with yeah. different people. And yeah. either whether I'm a guest or we have guests on. It's that the podcasting has been really, really enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you say that actually, because you know the the, the whole sort of self therapy thing. I mean, it's, it's definitely you know true for us. Um, you know, I think we were at a point at the you know at the beginning of the of the first lockdown. I think you know a few weeks in, a few weeks in, we were both at the point where you know I could have probably murdered my family <laughs> if I didn't get some project going or yeah, you know, and um. And it was really, you know, you, it was there. You could murder your family and all of those bottles of whiskey were getting very tempting <laughs> for me. <laughs> and but, there was but, more, you know, yeah, I mean, there was more the toilet it's, paper for you. <laughs> well, there you go. But, you know, but it, it really was, uh, I think it was at the point where, and it was good really to, just for us to talk to each other. Because initially, in fact, well, it was actually only the first episode, wasn't it? What where, was? Where we just talked to each other. I think we had a guest on the second episode. I think we might have done. Yeah. yeah. I forget now. I mean, the original the original plan was actually just for us to talk to each other. And, you know, and we thought like, well, we talk about photography stuff all the time. Anyhow, mm. you know, there must be some other nerds out there out there who might enjoy listening into our waffling. But, um, but uh, you know, but really what, what was really happening was, you know, it was this time where we could just talk to each other. And, you know, we would talk about, of course, we'd talk, well, we talk about photography on the fringes somehow, but it was really just a way for us to actually just have other human contact and, mm -hmm. you know, talk about all sorts of different things that were going on in, in our heads. And there were so many really interesting creative projects happening that people were doing, you know, being locked down in whatever country. There was really, there was, there was a lot of really cool stuff to talk about. You know, somebody was like doing uh, family portraits with a drone, you know, somebody else was like light painting. He was going out at night, you know, dressed like a ninja, light painting, yeah. you know, classic cars. And as all these people who came out of the woodworks had some really great ideas that were, were really inspiring and immediately gave us, um, you know, ammunition to, to, to talk about. And the best um, bit about the pandemic was originally when you're trying to, oh, would you be on my podcast? Well, I'm traveling, I can't, I'm there. But when yeah. the pandemic hit, it was like, 
dear so-and-so, we'd love you to be on the podcast. And in between the lines, it's, I know you're at home. You're not going anywhere. You've (laughs) got all the time in the world. So don't say no. And to be fair, yeah, we we got some guests we probably wouldn't have got. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, you know, I don't want to take advantage of it, but we had some great guests, but also we had some really good conversations because, you know, you're finding out how they've adapted and, and sharing stories or little tips and you're like oh yeah i never thought of doing that like you were saying personal projects and you know going on linkedin and you know looking for connections and seeing if there's anything you know learning going online learning and it was quite funny a a handful of guests had said the pandemic had been quite profitable for them and they felt guilty saying so Mm. and it was like really you shouldn't you shouldn't apologize it's you know it, it nobody asked for this to happen but if you yeah. can do something that enables you to survive and keep food on the table, you know, don't ever apologize. Some, you know, pod, podcasting has absolutely boomed during the pandemic. I mean, I listen to, I'm a big fan of the American office. So I listen to, <laughs> um, I've just started Ke- rewatching uh, it all. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I listen to uh, Kevin, Baumg- uh, Kevin, Brian Baumgartner's podcast mm-hmm. and Jenna Fisher and Angela. Um, and, in the middle of it, there's an ad because there's it's on iHeartRadio. And the ads, I wanted to pay someone on Fiverr, a voiceover artist, to do some spoof ones because it literally was becoming like, hi, I'm John, I'm John Smith. And this week we'll be going through the alphabet. And each week we'll go through each letter and we'll decide what our favorite words are beginning with that letter that week, only on iHeartRadio. And the next one will be, hi, I'm Jenny. And on the shopping list podcast, we'll be going through our shopping list each week and telling you why we ordered. And it was just like people were just making podcasts of of just anything. Yeah. And, you know, the podcast boom right, is a more than a million podcasts now. It's become, yeah. I call it the Netflix of radio. You know, Netflix, you can binge watch TV shows back to back. Yeah. And the beautiful thing with podcasts yeah. is as you discover podcasts on the, you know, on a commute is great. And people commuting, our numbers are brilliant. As soon as commuting stopped, we, we saw a dip in numbers, but you can go and find a specific subject or a specific podcast. If you like mm. listening to it, you can binge listen to stuff. You can, I'd stick my ear pods in. If I'm cutting the grass, I'll catch up. Yeah. I've got football ones, photography ones, design ones. Um, and they've become like the new, audio the new audio uh medium of listening of catching yeah. up on your favorite things and now when you look at i love scrubs and the two guys john uh, zach braff and uh donald faison do they go through the episode they each week is an episode they talk about the episode that guests on oh, who's wow. on it oh, so cool. now all, all these tv shows are now doing well we're not doing anything else we can't film let's do a podcast about the tv show we were on yeah. so there's some nice so I love listening to the Scrubs one. I listen to the Office one. I like the sports stuff I listen to, some gra- couple of graphic design ones. It's it, it's something that's boomed in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And obviously Clubhouse appeared from nowhere. You know, t- it, TikTok. TikTok mm-hmm. is the app of, of the pandemic. TikTok's yeah. absolutely blown up. Um, there's a lot of things that people will remember about the pa- pandemic that will be TikTok mm-hmm. related. Clubhouse mm-hmm. came out kind of hit a massive peak it kind of went and then dropped as quick as it came it's mm. still there i still get the odd notification that peter hurley's doing a, a chat 
it's a great idea and it was a cross between it wasn't radio and it wasn't Mm. a podcast but you could join in a conversation on a regular basis with certain people about a certain thing and you could just sit in the room and listen or you could kind of join in and some of my favorite podcasts are ones where I'm listening to it and I'm joining in and I can't I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah I do that. Yeah, or or yeah. they say something and I want to react to it and go, no, no, no. I know what that is. It's this. And you can't. So clubhouse kind of filled that gap and mm. I joined it and I joined into a couple of chats and it was okay. It was like, but it was kind of too much. I can't invest in live. Yeah. I can invest in pre-recorded. <laughs> mm-hmm. being, yeah. being something live is very, you know, you have to kind of stop what you're doing and be part of it. Yeah. And while podcasts you can stick on, I can see why Clubhouse existed. And there's some elements yeah. of it I think are really good. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, I started to see the kinds of subjects and the chats that were going on. It became mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, all the bloody entrepreneurs wanted to tell you how to make six figures, seven figures, <laughs> yeah. and oh, the God. secrets to the <laughs> next level and Mm-hmm. and all that crap and then there started to be some like oh Do- dogecoin cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. and you know each to their own that's but, take well away, away from you know from that kind of stuff what i do like about clubhouse is um it's you know having gotten to know a few people like fellow photographers on, on yeah. clubhouse and one of the things that's, that's quite useful is you know like rooms like um this one room that, that i very often join when i'm editing so because i'm sitting in front of the computer for several hours and you just, you know, you join the room, everybody's doing the same thing because everybody's editing and you're just having a sort of a casual chat whilst you're, you know, whilst you're editing. So, so I, I have something to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> I never really got into the clubhouse thing. It didn't really strike me that one. I, I likened it a bit to kind of like what you just described, TV versus streaming. And what do people do? No one watches TV anymore, really. Very, very rarely, unless there's a live sporting event or something like that. Really mm, anyway, yeah. anyway, by the by, Kay got into my car one day, or I got into your car, and you had this particular room on. And do you, do you want to know what, what I heard? Go this on. is exactly what I heard, was just this. Lots of people doing... <sighs> a lot of fall asleep, which is hilarious. Lots of just heavy breathing. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. why are you listening to some ASMR freaky <laughs> kind of thing going on? Yeah, it's because of the time difference. Like, you know, some people fall asleep. It's, it's and normal. mute. If you're not talking, yeah. mute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird podcast, what can I say? Anyway, so I tell you what, um, we're almost, we've almost come to the end of this week's episode. But um, not to forget that um, uh, Dave... We will see you at the uh, photography show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is running from Saturday uh, well, this comes to out Tuesday. On, this is coming out. This is out on Thursday. Oh, brilliant! Um, but this will be out. This on uh, the photography show is on Saturday through to Tuesday. Tuesday. Correct. Yeah, eighteenth to the twenty first. Yeah. So if you haven't got a ticket yet and you want to go, go on Instagram. Uh, there's some codes to get um, 15 or 20% off, depending on where you find. But there is a code up to 20% off. But you have to get your ticket before, I think, before Friday's over. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe Friday lunchtime or 2 o'clock or something to get the discount. But And Kay and I will be there on Sunday and Monday. We paid full price, just saying. <laughs> um... <laughs> Support small business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we will be there on uh, on sunday and monday and uh you know as always 
if you see us lurking around, you know, come and say hello. It'll be absolutely fantastic. Oh, absolutely. To, I'll to be looking out for you. I, the, we cannot have that show happen and we don't meet in person. Oh, oh yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, so um, I'm, I am really looking for, I mean, I'm looking forward to the photography show, you know, for so many reasons. I mean, first of mm-hmm. all, you know, because it is literally the first, you know, convention type um, type event that, I, that I've been to in, in like a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And I really, really, really can't wait. But also, you know, it's the added bonus that we've, uh, you know, we've we've uh, interviewed and had guests on the show over the last um, eighteen months, um, and and really have made friends, you know, through this. Um, yeah. Uh, some of whom will be will be meeting at the photography show. Some of whom we've never actually met in person. Yep. You know, and it's it's going to be a real most uh, <laughs> most yeah yeah. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a real thrill. I think. Can't wait. Yeah, really can't, can't wait. wait. Looking forward to it. So Dave, thank you so much for oh, being thank our guest. You. In this week's episode, it was uh, it was phenomenal. So thank you so much for uh, coming on to onto the show this week, and for all the many chicanes that we had. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good chicane in a podcast. <laughs> what Excellent. I love is the fact that I just realised it was quarter to nine, and we started at half six. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, this is this is how this podcast goes, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you very much, Dad. And I look, really look forward to meeting you in person at the photography show. And uh, and I think I need to have you on He Shoots, He Draws. So oh, we'll be we've got to reciprocate. We've got to reciprocate. So no, oh, yeah, thank yeah. you very much. That'd be fantastic. So for all of you listening, if you made it this far and you have been listening to the audio version, let me just remind you once again that there is a full Technicolor version over um, on YouTube if you are so inclined. Um, of course, as always, if you've liked the show, you know, uh, give us a little star rating, leave us a little review, um, give us a comment, you know, hit the like button, ring the bell, all the kind of stuff that people tell you to do. That would be super awesome. And if you're very lucky, I might put all of Kay's intros at the very end of this podcast. <laughs> ah, please do. All of them. For a real behind the scenes, though. This is what Another half hour. Every single... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... We will see you again next week. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Um, And we'll see you next week in episode 74. As always, every Thursday. Please welcome... None other than the graphic designer, author, educator, and podcast host of the he. Sorry, I'll do that again because I was going to actually. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't read my own handwriting. <laughs> I was going to say he drools. He drools. <laughs> I like that name. He shouts. That's better. Drool. It's better. <laughs> Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode seventy-three. And as always, we have a special guest on the show. But before we get there. Actually, let me do it one more time. I'll do something different. So this is why you shouldn't ever cut the first one. I know. I know. Anyway, here you go. Author, educator, and podcast host of He Shoots and He Draws, which you run with Ellen Hess, I believe. Yeah. Um, actually, let me do that again. Sorry. Oh, we are going to take four. It's amazing. Four. Yes. Let's do it. I, okay. I cool. think you're filmed in Super Marionation, like Thunderbirds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, oh. episode 73. <laughs> <laughs> so you are going from the beginning then. Yeah. <laughs> I never fail to... Uh, it's amazing. Never fail to impress. Anyway, there you go. Oh. Okay, you ready? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's going very well. <laughs>
You would have thought that we've done 72 of those before, right? I know. <laughs> anyway. This is nothing. You should watch episode 72 one. episode, 450 intros. <laughs> yeah, <well>. yeah. <laughs> right, here we go. One more time. Last time, last time. 